0: Welcome to Tuesday Topics, I'm Paul Edwards, and we're very pleased to have everyone with us 10 days before Christmas. My guests this evening uh, are folks who I have had the honor of knowing for the last several years, and I think that they will be able to provide us uh, with, with lots of food for thought as we explore their lives, both apart and together, because they have both uh, had what I think are exciting and interesting lives. So, ladies first, welcome to NICE.
1: Thank you, Paul, for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: You're more than welcome. So, and welcome, Roberto.
2: Thank you, senor. <laughs> Thank you, everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's very, uh, it, it, it is very good to have both of, of you guys um with us uh one of the things that i can say is you you guys constitute one of the few weddings i attended so <laughs> <laughs> i hope that is a good thing yeah. oh, it, it, it was a very good thing but it didn't give me any ideas Um, very good so let's start so both of you guys were born in cuba is that right
3: that is, yes. So, that yes. is right yes
0: now we're were both of you born visually impaired or not? I was born visually impaired.
1: I was not. I lost my sight when I was uh, five years old.
0: Excellent. Um, and at the moment, neither of you have very much vision left, yes?
2: I I have, I had and I have some light perception, mm-hmm. but... It doesn't really help much, so technically yeah. I'm totally, totally blind. Yeah.
1: So I am totally blind since I, um, I lost my sight in that accident, and uh, I lost my, my sight completely.
0: Excellent. So being born and growing up in Cuba is a very Different kind of exercise than being born and growing up in this country. So we'll we'll start with the guy who was uh, who was born blind. Um, t- tell me about uh, what what your early childhood was like growing up. Did did you even notice that you were blind to start with?
2: That is very interesting. I guess my parents, since I was very little. They received some advice, I know for a fact that they contacted someone from the School for the Blind as soon as they knew that I was blind, to get some advice on how to raise me and so on. And uh, they made sure to let me know that I was blind, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but actually, I, I, knew that I, knew, I knew that I was blind, but I didn't really know what it meant.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. A lot of us who were, were born blind kind of kind of have that experience, and I I don't think I really understood that I was blind until I went to school.
2: Right. That was yeah. the, the big the big the big change.
0: Yeah. And and Denise, uh, for for the first five years you were able to see, um, and and then you suddenly lost your vision. So there was no question of whether you knew that you were blind because it was an accident. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh.
1: But, you uh, know, I wouldn't say it's the same thing because I haven't experienced being born born blind, but at the end of the day, still, is something that you don't realize. I mean, not me. Uh, I was a sighted girl, and at some point something happened, but I was not aware that I couldn't see anymore. So I was trying to Live my life uh, as I was used to, you know, running and riding bicycles and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was, too, I guess, through the feedback I was receiving from uh, the people around me that I started to to think and feel like, oh my god, there's something wrong with me. You mm-hmm. know, it looks like like I'm not uh, a very, uh, you know, it's not as um, able person as I was because all the time they're warning like hey take care don't do this don't do that you know it's yeah kind
0: of and sudden suddenly you you're almost perceived by those around you as inferior even though you don't feel like it
1: exactly exactly and eventually you you go into it you know you start thinking like oh my god now life is different I have to live a different life because it seems like I cannot do things I was used to do.
0: Mm-hmm. So Roberto, what did your parents do?
1: My parents they tried to
2: they tried to let me be free. And of course since I, I, I grew up being blind, I didn't feel any different from from my friends right. and people around me. And I was lucky perhaps because there were a bunch of uh, kids that were born around the same time. Mm-hmm. so we kind of grew up together and they were used to me and i was used to them uh, to the extent that i really didn't feel that there was any different we would play in the street we would run around together they would hold my hands uh, there were certain games that i knew i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to play mm-hmm. but i wasn't fully aware of why i just knew that i didn't want to play those because i was someone in a disadvantage for example they wanted to play with That was very funny. I I remember them playing with this game, which I don't know how do you call in English, which you have a bunch of sticks. They're very, very thin sticks of different color. And you throw them and then you have to pick up the sticks using other sticks, but without moving. And I never got the point of that game. Of course, I didn't know there were colors. Of course, I didn't know really what they were trying to, to accomplish, but. Like, or, or for example, they were using a projector and looking at a, one of those movies. Yep. And to me, it was only about sitting in front of something weird that you would move a little thing, would make a little noise, and they would kind of tell a story. But I didn't really understand what was going on. Yeah. So sight, to me, was something very elusive. So yeah, I didn't know they were seeing something. I wasn't. and. But at the same time, I knew it because they were talking about colors and things I didn't perceive. But it was weird. <laughs> That's that all I can say. Mm-hmm. Very weird.
0: So now you guys are starting your education. Um, did Did you guys both go to regular schools for the first while or did you go to the school for the blind or what was the deal?
1: No, we didn't. We went to the, actually the same school because it was the only one in capital and
2: in the country, in the time.
1: country at that time. That's right. Uh, special school for blind and, and uh, low vision uh, mm. from five years old to what? 15? 14, 14, yeah, 14, 14 15, years old. Yeah. So what we call in Cuba, primary and secondary, secondary school, education.
0: Uh, education. Did you guys um, did you guys board there or did you go home?
2: No, we went home. We were lucky. I mean, and I, I just mean lucky because I really, I dreaded the perspective of remaining there. <laughs> <laughs> but we were living in Havana, so it was close enough to the school that our parents could bring us home every day.
1: Yeah.
2: And that maybe,
0: was cool. Many kids had to stay, of
2: course.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, you guys knew each other, did you start school at about the same time? Not really.
1: Not really. Actually, we met uh, way after finishing school. In fact, I was was done with my career as a musician when we met.
0: Right. Ah, interesting. We didn't meet at school at all.
2: (laughs) I didn't know she existed and she didn't know I existed. Same here. (laughs) What a loss
0: all right so denise y- y- you stayed at the blind school until you were 14
1: yes I did. and then what and then um when you are 14 years old and you're finishing your last uh year at school you kind of start. Uh, receiving, let's call it advices from, from the school, people that come and try to, you know, orientate, uh, you know, young people about the future. What do you want to study? There's these and that opportunities. and uh-huh. But I was sure since I was a child, it's been a passion for me, um, music. So I've been passionate for music since i was very little child so i was absolutely uh you know determined to be a musician or um studying you know like uh how do you say philologia or
2: philosophy yeah no it's it's the study of language i think it's called philology
0: oh philology yeah maybe yeah yep
1: but uh it happened that I was lucky that the School of Arts, they came, you know, looking for for kids to go and take the exam to, to enter the school. And of course, I said, me, for sure. And I went mm-hmm. and did it. And yeah, I started studying music.
0: Mm-hmm. And at, at that point, you played instruments as well as singing?
1: Yes, uh, I started playing guitar when I was maybe 10 years old or 11, like that. Yeah, and I was uh, playing in the, we had a, let's call it a teenager's band at school. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 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 we had a lot of activity.
0: So tell me about, tell me about what happened to you when you finished school, Mr. Roberto.
2: Well, in my case, the... Um, I went to a regular mainstream, well, actually, at that time in Cuba, and even at this time. And when you finish the School for the Blind, there is, of course, mainstream education is your only choice. So I went to a regular high school, we would call here high school, pretty much. And I didn't have any special thing like music or anything at that time. I knew I loved science. So I went to to high school hoping to get a career in in technology or computers or something related.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So let's let's talk a little bit about differences between life as a as as a, a recent graduate of a school for the blind here, as you would imagine it, and 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 in Cuba. Did did you guys feel pretty limited as blind people in Cuba, or not?
2: That is very interesting. Well, i for well, that. That's a vast question. That is
0: very it is yeah.
1: <laughs> because, well, there is something that is pretty obvious, but still, um, which has to do with the with uh, each person, you know, right. and and their their specific cir- circumstances. And yep. but but um, as a very, I mean, as a poor country, uh, of course, you cannot. Uh, think about you know like uh accessibility kind of things and you know for instance i remember when we were start um two friends and of mine and me when we were entering the uh, conservatory there was there was no charts i mean no no um
0: no uh, braille music Exactly. Yeah. yeah, per se. Yeah.
1: So, we had to wait for a year for the blind organization, per se, in Cuba uh, to care of those materials. But again, that was for the first year. Next year, there was no material either. Uh-huh. So, we had to try getting in touch with the teachers and then dictating the whole bunch of things for our program in the whole year and write them down. I mean, there's a lot of disadvantages for for blind people in a poor society, but at the same time, it's kind of easy. It's, it's not a big deal for you to study what you want to study. You know, it's completely doable. <sighs> yeah. The point is how to go on with it. I'm not sure.
2: I'm not so sure about how, how doable it is. Uh, it is really. Yeah. Okay. First, from my perspective, I want to say, of course, that we didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. So we didn't know another world existed, but, but it was hard, at least for me. It was yeah. quite hard. And I would have not been able to move forward without a bunch of help from friends and family. So even though the possibilities are there, really the the means to to accomplish, to to study. For example, I I also didn't have any Braille material. And I didn't have the luxury of of even copying things manually because there was just too much. Uh, Especially it was hard during high school and it was near impossible at the university. And we're not there yet, but for example, in high school, I had a professor, a wonderful math professor that would meet with me Outside regular class hours, just to help me understand things that, of course, I wouldn't be able to understand during class because he was drawing on the board. And I remember him gathering all sorts of material, like pieces of wood, metal, and all sorts of things to try to handcraft math functions for example, graphs, charts, so we'll be able to touch and have an idea and have a perception of what it is, what he was trying to convey and I remember he, he making jokes about you know you have a huge advantage because you're touching three-dimensional figures whereas people in the classroom <laughs> 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 in, a, yep. in a two-dimensional way. Not to yeah. um, that in
1: Cuba, even now, well, nowadays you can sort of go somewhere and and get, you know, connection to wi- Wi-Fi connection, pretty bad, but still, but at that time No, no forget
2: question. about it. I didn't have a computer at that time in my No,
1: life. we didn't right. have a mobile phone at all.
2: I didn't have a old Taker like kids have. No
1: way. Here. And luckily, yeah. you, if you had a cane Exactly. You know, yeah. Managed how to take a, a bus to go to school. My goodness,
4: right. that, right. Was,
1: that yeah. was an adventure. So I remember by 1990 or something, where, where when that was a very hard time in Cuba when uh, the Berlin Wall was down, right? You know, yep. Cuba went into a very hard crisis. Big,
3: big, you big.
1: cannot imagine. And I remember yeah. going to the conservatory, walking like uh 15 kilometers or more wow go to school because there was no public transportation at all at all not at all
2: streets were
0: empty
1: you
2: wouldn't hear a car
0: around yep my gosh nothing yep and that's because there was no gas exactly 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 (laughs) exactly
1: no gas, no electricity, no newspapers, no Nothing. Oh my god, that
2: was hard. It was a totally totally dead city. That was
1: hard.
0: So, let's let's talk a little bit about communism in Cuba. Um it, it's it's hard I think for those of us in in this country um to understand what li- life might be like in a in a in a kind of a totalitarian society. So g- g- give us a sense of, of what you guys noticed the most. Now, I understand that's what you grew up with, and I understand that that was the norm for you, but, mm-hmm. but you guys have spent time in Europe and you spent time here yes. um, after that. So, so you you have some things to compare Cuba to. No so, so what do you think? Yeah, go
2: ahead. That is hard to convey. Uh, if I if I place myself in my own shoes when I was a kid, from the perspective of who I am now and the things I know now, I would say, and especially w- when I see kids here doing things, and and I would say that one big difference, uh, despite other than the fact that you get um kind of political indoctrination from a very young age from from when even you're very small you're five four five years old and you're yeah. already learning about stuff that you don't even understand but you have to learn and repeat uh-uh. Other, apart from that i think the general feeling is that everything is is organized and is completely from top to bottom uh, top-down thing, meaning that everything from your life, family, everything is kind of arranged, and you have to follow a certain order. And and it, from a very young age, you learn that there are things you don't say. And things that if you hear, and that has nothing to do with blindness, I think. it's It's, it's something yeah. that there are things that if you hear, like political stuff and so on, you don't want to be present. You know from a very young age, there are Forbidden things, forbidden people, <laughs> forbidden topics and, and everyone lives a very similar life, in st- especially at that time. Nowadays, I'm not that sure. But at that time, every, I mean, kids had a very similar life standard to some extent. You would see a few kids in, at school, for example, that had a different life standard than the rest, but that was pretty minimal pretty minimal everyone had to wear the same uniform everyone would play with pretty much the same toys everyone would pretty much watch the same tv stuff uh, read the same books so life was very in that way
1: i would say uh, and this is not only related to cuba I, I guess it's same story in every uh what they call socialist country at that time um is what i feel is a sort of suppression of the individual
2: exactly you know yeah
1: you know um and you live in a sort of religion you know we don't call
2: it religion but
1: yeah but somehow you know uh, where you have uh yeah like a, a mantra living kind of thing uh where, where you have to fulfill uh you have to learn how to behave in accordance to what is meant to be right for them exactly you know it's i feel like that it's the suppression of your individual freedom and make you you're part of you're a part of something game you know and you're a piece in that game yeah
0: and you're well, supposed to put you're supposed to put the state first, and 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 to uh, to work for the good of the state rather than for your own good, yeah. Yeah. yeah you mean, will
2: call it a revolution in yeah. a Cuban context. You will call it a revolution is is above and beyond everything else, Thanks. even our yeah. family. Revolution. Yeah. Comes first. If your father had to go somewhere for work, whatever. You know, he has to because it is working for the revolution.
1: Yeah. They try to convince you, although everybody knows that it's not true, that these kind of things is because people are willing to do it.
2: Oh, yes. You know, Mm -hmm. but
1: you are forced to do it.
2: Mm -hmm. You would sing the national anthem very early in the morning at school. The first thing you would do, you would form in a line wearing your your uniform whatever according to your age you will belong to certain organizations and you would you would sing the anthem you would uh, salute the banner uh you would do certain rituals and kind i of think that uh, and you have to be very happy that you're doing that uh, i mean you are actually
1: <laughs> and there was there was no way that you could you know sort of question things or mm. you know and try to think differently uh, nowadays is kind of different after disaster of the the 90s and after fidel died and cuba is in well misery but there are people right now who are no longer in silence you know and
0: it has it's become more, easier for people more flexible more normal, per se so. yeah yeah, and, and 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 I mean, there, there, there's some access to the internet now. There's there is uh, right. there there's, there's some people are allowed to uh, undertake entrepreneurial careers. And um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it, it, it is very different than, than, than what it was growing up for you guys. Um, it's
1: very interesting yeah. because at the end of the day, you start noticing how deep those uh, trainings, let's say, yes. are in your brain or your behavior or something. Right. You start noticing that when you don't live in Cuba anymore exactly. and you start, you know, comparing and examine yourself and you're like, oh, wow.
2: Yeah, so I many your it.
1: incredible. Your, th- your yeah. thoughts, and also when, at at least me, when you live in a different country, different society, and all the stuff, you start observing, and you come to realize that in many places in the world, in the middle of democracy or whatever, there's a lot of lack of freedom, in my opinion. Yeah.
0: Sure there is. Sure there is. It doesn't only happen in, in socialist countries. I absolutely agree with that. So, Roberto, you finished high school and then went on to university, yeah? I did.
2: Indeed. Um, I have to say, at that time, when I, when I went to the university, very few blind people would go to university. Yeah. I don't think there are too many now, but certainly more than when I did it. And let's say, forget about access services, forget about... Yeah, I get that. You don't get any of that. You do what you can, if you can.
0: Um, I was the first student to go to the University of the West Indies who was blind. Wow. yeah well in my okay. case i well, went I to a technical say, honey, school
1: exactly mm-hmm. you probably w- were the first blind uh person to go to a technical school exactly. but i, knew I, I, bet,
0: I bet that's right yeah oh, Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. it was
2: it uh, was a big thing because i mean uh, that would be a topic for a whole, a whole hour but they there were groups within the university where Firmly trying to prove that it was not possible for a blind person to. I went to study what we would call here information technology. Mm-hmm. And professors, there were professors that were really strongly trying to prove that that was a mistake, that I should have not been allowed to go to that school and I should have been convinced that, that I should leave. Luckily, and I was. Lucky about that. There was no regulation to allow them to expel me. So mm-hmm. the only way they could do it was to prove that it was really not suitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they really tried. They really tried.
0: Yeah. Oh I, I, I get that. I I, I um, when I'd finished my first degree, um, I applied to uh l'Institut de relations internationaux in, in Geneva, which had opened a branch in trinidad and they they said you can't do it you can't go and of course that just made me want to go more and um when when i got there um they were right it was very hard work i mean it was very tough um that is that is the the toughest year of study i ever did um and and of course this was long before. Computers and internet and all that stuff. Because right. C- I'm an old person now, but anyway, um, it, did did you by the time you had started university have any access to um, to speech for a computer?
2: Well, again, I was very lucky. I had really good conditions that my fa- my parents had the means, the financial means, to purchase a computer for me, and there was a the computer I had. Um, And during during my few last years in high school, probably the last two years in high school, there were a group of uh, foreigners, uh, actually an Italian um, civil voluntary kind of group, Mm-hmm. perfect type of thing, that were th- trying to introduce the user screen readers for uh, MS-DOS first and Windows in uh, Cuba, and I was lucky to have early access to that because I was one of the few that had interest and that had some knowledge that I had acquired mm-hmm. by, by asking people to read books to me, mm-hmm. and I've, I was very lucky to be there, to be present there, and because of that, I had access to, for example, I had access to a very old version of JAWS, I was just 3.2 Can I had you at, that imagine, time.
1: Paul, that at that time, Robert started, you know, sharing uh, just with, with their friends and all that stuff. And we were using just in Italian.
4: Exactly. Oh <laughs> my goodness. In Italian,
2: <laughs>
3: we in Spanish and just
2: in Italian oh. until we finally managed to obtain a copy in Spanish. And that was the computer I had, a very limited access, no internet access at all, because to have access I needed to, I mean, there were computers in the university with internet access, but of course it was, just wasn't there. Uh-huh. I had Joss in my, my home computer. I eventually managed to get Joss in a few computers in the university, but I realized that I wouldn't be able to use them anyway, because there were always lines of people trying to get there.
4: Exactly. And,
2: and you get to the computer and then there are no speakers because someone just took the speakers and nobody knows where they are. Uh, oh. You would try to oh. put your headset, but then people screaming and around really? you wouldn't
0: be able to focus. <laughs> <It's outrageous. laughs> yep. Know the feeling. Yeah. But you ended up graduating in spite of your professors.
2: Indeed. <laughs> well, <laughs> despite a few and thank too many, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in in these careers, I was very lucky uh, because the technology field is a technology as a field where no matter what you do, eventually you meet with people that are forward thinking because right. everyone loves technology. And 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 since I am truly, I, I have it in my blood, I quickly yeah. and easily connected with my peers, from young professors that had just graduated to to students from from uh, I mean, uh, older students, more senior students. And I've, I received once again, bunch of help. Yeah. From professors from, from peers. You know, in, in my life, I, oh, I, now that I think of it, I think my life, my crisis go in periods of three years. I would say my first three years in the university, I every day would consider giving up. Yeah. It was so hard from accessing to stuff, to, to actually being able to do schoolwork, I have. I was running behind all the time, trying to catch up. Somehow after the third year, I managed to catch up and I really, really r- started running, running and running ahead and I finally graduated.
0: Excellent. All right, Mr. Nice. So you finished at the conservatory and then?
1: Uh-huh. Hmm. Well, by the time I was about to, finished the conservatory, I started working as what we call in Cuba, professional musician, because there's no way that you could be like uh, someone who goes on with your career without belonging to the system, you know, <laughs> so nice. you, have, you have to belong to a company and all this stuff. So, yep, uh, I started to work in a quartet we uh, put together. And then, uh, like, uh, we, we did well in, in the, I mean, we were doing a lot of stuff. we uh, was starting uh, going abroad, which was something like a privilege uh, in Cuba, being able to travel and, and play and all that stuff. And then I started uh, leading a jazz group. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I was really lucky, I feel, because I was able to go on with the thing I I love the most doing and uh, learning a lot, dealing with uh, sighted people around me, leading leading a a band of sighted and very talented young people. Right. We were like, you know, like... Uh no difference. I didn't feel like that they, they were kind of discouraged because I was blind or this and that. That was a very, very nice process.
0: Mm-hmm. And where did you go where did you go abroad?
1: We went to Sweden uh twice, I think. Then we went to uh Barcelona to to record our first album uh as mm-hmm. uh, a No, the second album as a quarter. Uh then I forgot. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I forgot but to 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 European countries and that and and countries that were that were democratic rather than socialist. So
1: exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because at that time <laughs> there was not wall in Berlin.
0: Exactly. So, right. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you started re- releasing albums, what did uh, what? What name did the group release albums under?
1: Um, Well, first uh, it was Esperanza Quartet, which means Mm -hmm. like hope. Hope. Yep. Yep. Uh, Then uh, no, no, no. First one was a trio, Uh, Trio de Plata. It was called.
0: Mm -hmm. And then silver. Yep. Silver. Silver. Yeah. And then (laughs)
1: Esperanza Quartet. Then we have the. esperanza what uh, banda esperanza was when we were yep. playing jazz and this and that uh, then we recorded like two or three albums that there were meant to be like um uh, many different bands in cuba that yep. together and we recorded uh, our stuffs and there was like songs from the heart of cuba i think it was called
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. So uh, now, now you've finished university and it's time to get a job. So what do you do?
2: Hmm. Well, again, I was lucky. No, I, don't, I wouldn't say I was lucky. I think I created the conditions. And because that's the other problem you face in Cuba as a blind, blind graduate. When you leave university, it's very hard to get a job no question and 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 even if you get it because eventually you you may get it because by law you have to get it (laughs) yeah but once you get it it's like you didn't have it because i've seen so many situations where blind people are just sitting in the desk doing nothing Um, getting a a paycheck which is also even sighted people right sighted people at least well that's the norm but (laughs) <laughs> I, anyway, I I actually had uh, two job offers, and they were real offers when I graduated. And I think that's that's a moment, one of those moments in life when you really choose your destiny in a way. And because one of the offers was from a newspaper, where they were putting uh, together a uh, uh, group of developers and designers to to kind of develop a new website. And one or two of the people involved in that, for some, had a very, had a great interest in accessibility, actually, and they were wanted to hire me to actually create an accessible website, and that was pretty, pretty attractive. And the other offer was from the um, blindness organization, the National Blindness Organization. They wanted me to lead their technology department, a technology department that didn't exist actually. Right, exactly. They wanted wanted to put it together and they wanted me to lead that. They didn't even know what they wanted, but they wanted something and I feel I really knew what they needed. Mm -hmm. So I accepted that one Mm -hmm. Uh, it was really hard at that time.
1: Lucky us, you know, because I would say that Robert being the the one in charge to that department, uh, he benefited a lot of people with his job there.
2: Yeah, and yeah. that job also because that organization is technically I only say technically because it is not true, but technically and legally is a nonprofit. Because, yeah, um, it had technically less ties to the government. And that made it easier later for me to leave the country. Mm -hmm. So it it was an awesome period of my life. It's something that I remember with great, great uh, love, I would say.
1: Yeah, and at the same time, you were uh, putting together those courses to teach people Uh, accessibility, you know, how to use the computer.
2: Yeah, I put together a team. And luckily, we had plenty of support from the Spanish organization the ONCE, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Fundacion ONCE, which is the group that, that provides help aid to Latin American countries. Mm-hmm. And we managed to do something that that was really incredible, which was to put together labs in every province of the country where you would have a, few, a bunch of, I mean, a, certain, some computers with JAWS. And to put together a curriculum to teach Jaws and to teach um, so, well, not so much Windows, Windows and yep. computers, regular office stuff. And the idea was to empower blind people to be able to work and mm-hmm. to to be more productive at school. They may not have computers at home, but they would be able to access the computer at the at the class at the organization's office. And it was a nice dream. It didn't it didn't fully Achieve what was initially dreamed, of course, but many people benefited from that. Oh, for sure. Many, many
0: people. And Just was- out of curiosity, why do you think it didn't achieve what it was
3: supposed to?
2: Because in that country, everything, there is a... In one side, you have the lack of means, even though you have a bunch of money coming in from Spain to do things, you have lack of resources internally to to put things together, to to properly have. It took me like two years to get authorization from the government to have internet connection in Mm -hmm. in the places. And then you have the dynamic of the country. For example, just to give you an idea, you had a classroom with let's say eight computers, and those computers are supposed to be used to teach blind folks how to use JAWS and so on. Uh-huh. But suddenly there is an office in the organization and the director, sometime, somehow his computer breaks down and there is no money to purchase a new computer. And there is no money to fix it. Where would uh-huh. you go to get the computer? To the classroom, because at the uh-huh. end of the day, who really cared? It's uh, yeah. teaching blind folks how to use computers, but they didn't. They wouldn't be able to, to profit from that anywhere. So they would take it, and eventually some of the classrooms just disappeared.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so I have an interesting question for you too, and mm-hmm. um, and and I'll, it, it's sort of based on on my experience in the Caribbean. Though I'll probably get shot now um, for saying that, but do you think th- that there were blind people in Cuba who really didn't want to make progress and who were pretty comfortable with things the way they were?
2: Oh, yes, especially those in positions of power. Yeah. And those who had to make the decisions to allow me to move forward. Yeah. My biggest opposition, I didn't have it from the government, I had it from the blindness organization but, itself. Yeah.
1: Honestly, I understand those people were fear of losing. Exactly. And at the same time, they were under pressure you know, because like I said, it's the suppression of individuals. So they have to ask for authorization to do everything. I remember first time when we were invited to go to Sweden, Mm -hmm. um, they they, uh, held a meeting with us and they kind of advised us, how should we behave? during a visit to Sweden, you know, and they were like, you're uh-huh. gonna have questions from journalists. Careful what you say.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, as soon as you get to Stockholm, please call the ambassador and let them know that you're there. Of course, we didn't, uh-huh. but, like one week later, we, we got a call from the ambassador and she, she was like, hello, we know you're here how come that you didn't say that you're here? That is not correct. And I was like, um, I just came to do my job.
2: It was horrible.
4: Mm-hmm. I have nothing yeah. to say about
1: it. <laughs> <was a> <laughs> so, in, all right. Yeah, that's the kind of thing yeah. you know, that happened yeah. there that makes this kind of behaviors so noticeable. I mean, so,
0: so yeah. off the Yep. All right. So which of you left the country permanently first.
2: Uh-huh. Who left the country,
0: is that? Yeah, permanently first. The nice did it. Yeah. It was the first so one. D- the nice, tell us about that.
1: Uh-huh, well, that's... Uh, I highly recommend to, <laughs> to read... Um, there's a Cuban writer named Leonardo Padura Mm-hmm. I highly recommend reading his books because he kind of uh, he kind of pictures really well, in my opinion, what immigration is uh, for All Cuban right. people. So I, I'm I'm not saying that we are the ones and only, you know, of course not. But mm-hmm. in my case, um, on one hand, I was told by a, uh, a colleague uh, a musician in Madrid uh, we met in Cuba, we had a concert together and all the stuff and he told me, you know what, I think, well you're a talented person but this and that you know, and he told me, if you ever want to come to Madrid and try going on there, whatever count on me
4: mm-hmm.
1: and i started thinking in terms of uh my my i don't know my, my conditions or whatever i thought you know what i'm a, a girl who's been overprotected since i was a child because mm-hmm. that accident and blindness and all this stuff and i felt like I needed to break, uh, you know, and and try to live a life uh, as an individual because of me, uh, and also because the conditions around you in in, in Cuba is like having the ceiling right ab- you know your above your head. Yeah. So it's like, oh, my God, there's no way. Yes, of course, I'm working. I'm making money now. But how about tomorrow? What's what what I'm expecting to be, to do, you know? And um, personally, I felt like I needed to, I was not able to go on as as an individual. I was still living with my mom, you know, overprotected, not that independent. (laughs) Person, so I feel like I fear to go uh, ahead with uh, with a new life here in Cuba. So I need to put me in a position that I don't have any other option that than go on
4: uh-huh.
1: and try it. So it took me like a year. Rob, remember how Aww. neurotic I was. <laughs>
2: We have conversations uh-huh. every day and now we're just telling him, please go, and please on. go out if and
1: you can, especially, go. you know why? Because at that time when you left Cuba, uh, you were not allowed to come back. Exactly. That yeah. was the main thing for right. me. It was like, geez.
2: You're considered a deserter.
1: If I leave yeah. and I don't come back in 12 months... I cannot enter Cuba anymore, until I become a Spanish uh, resident, you know, that can take two or three years. So it was hard, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I thought I should, I have to, because otherwise I will regret my entire life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I did. I was every day thinking of going back
4: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) having nightmares every night like Mm -hmm. oh it feels great i'm at home again and at some point I was geez but what what am i doing in cuba i cannot live you know it was hard
2: hard. because it wasn't it wasn't easy to leave the country at that time it was really difficult it's not that you want to leave and you leave no it wasn't that that easy
1: very hard so, yeah, that was the story.
0: So, Denise, let's, let's talk about one other event in your life because it, because it unfortunately happened. Um, talk, talk to us about what changed your career as a, as a musician, as a guitarist. I, I know you had an accident in Europe.
1: Yes, I did. Um, in, in Madrid, where I was living, um, I had an accident in the subway. In fact i was uh I fell down at the very moment that the the train started moving and I was crushed, so I lost my left arm completely and yeah was I, I am alive I don't know how
4: <laughs>
1: uh, but still um yeah, yeah 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 i I couldn't manage to to get out of the hospital more than a month later,
0: yeah. Uh, what what a heck of a change to one's life! I mean, one is one one has this wonderful career in music. One is a great guitarist, and then suddenly, boom! Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, uh In fact, like I said, I'm really passionate. Uh, music is uh, like like. Uh, something that fits me you know yep. um and yeah it was hard uh indeed not only because of thinking like oh my god i cannot play anymore which is still hard honestly yeah Some, uh, guitar i mean yeah but also because of the fact that i was i mean when i came out of the coma i was thinking Am I able to walk? I didn't know because I was kind of, you know, going back to what happened? What am I doing? Yeah. So I was mm-hmm. not really sure about uh, what my you know, pff, problems were at that time, but then started thinking, geez, I have to kind of relearn how to manage, because now it's not the fact that I cannot see, it's the fact that I just have one hand yeah to do everything so it, it was a process it was really hard but at some point in the hospital something changed in my head and i could realize because when people ask me what happened to you and i was like i cannot talk about it i cannot even think about it because i was uh immediately yeah. starting to vomit to vomiting you know and yeah. at some point i felt like Hey, no, there's no way. I can I have to go ahead. I I don't have I mean I have no choice. So at that point I think I started, you know, like taking taking my time to take off again.
0: Now you guys you guys had met before you left Cuba, yesterday?
1: Yes we did.
0: Yeah. And and were you already an item by the time that you left Cuba? I mean, were you already in love?
2: I mean, I was. (laughs) (laughs) But I was. I was delicately and elegantly um, rejected.
4: Uh Uh-huh. Oh dear. I
2: was trying to help you. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) So she left and she left me. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> we were really awesome friends. I mean, we still are. Friends. Yeah,
3: yeah. But we're just good friends. Bye-bye.
0: So we're going to open this up in in just a few minutes. Uh, Roberto, t- talk to me about about your move to the states and how that came about, and um, and 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 maybe a little bit about what you did once you got here. Okay.
2: Briefly, I mean, after I graduated, after three years fighting with Cuba and the government and the organization, tried to make my dream come true. I mean, no, it wasn't really my dream. It was the dream of many people. Uh, And after visiting two countries, Argentina and then Spain and having a glimpse of what it is to live outside. And I came to realize that as a professional, I was dead, that I wouldn't be able to move farther with my career as uh, an engineer. And when I managed to go to Spain, invited by a university by an organization in 2008, I had a conversation with my sister who was already living in the States. It was an American; she was an American citizen, and asked her, "Please take me out of Cuba, help me bring my mother and me to the States." Mm-hmm. So she she wanted to hear; she had wanted to hear that for a long time. Uh, so she didn't hesitate, and she claimed my mother. My mother claimed me, and in 2010 I came to the states.
0: Yeah. Now we we met relatively soon after you got to the states. Yeah. I was working at Miami Dade College, um, and um, you you came and saw myself and Jose Cierro yes. and um, and we. We talked about um, what kind of uh, opportunities there were for you here, yes. and 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 it was already clear to me that you had that 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 you had wonderful skills, and that we just had to find a way of of putting them to work. Wow. Um, so, tell me a little about uh, about the the jobs that you've held since you got here.
2: Wow. Yeah, I wanted to say we just met three days after I came to the country. Wow. wow. Three days. It was my third, yeah. third, fourth day here. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, as soon as I came, I i knew the first thing I needed to do was to to learn English. Because yeah. I, I knew English at that time. I, I managed, but I didn't really know. So I went to Miami Dade College to study, and that's where we mm-hmm. met. And, yeah. And it really took me three years to... You will be surprised, and when I think of it, I think it should have been different, but it took me three years to gain meaningful employment. Yeah. And and that is huge when I think of it. And I, first job I had, I was in the rehab agency over here in Miami, Miami Lighthouse for the Blind, which I, I loved the job. I, I, no, I, at heart, I think I have, I am a rehab teacher uh, at heart, Mm -hmm. although I don't Uh do that anymore directly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that for like two years and a half or something like that. And then I went to work for a company called DQ Systems, as Mm -hmm. an accessibility engineer. (laughs) Honestly, it was one of my dreams when I left Cuba, when I I, I wanted to do accessibility and that was one of the companies that I thought, one day I would like to work for this company. So I managed Mm -hmm. to to get a position there. And I worked there for like three years probably. And Uh now I work as, as an accessibility engineer. For a um, industry leading health organization, healthcare organization, mm-hmm. which I've been working for like two years or almost three years now. And, yeah, yeah, I and mean, it's really an awesome job.
0: It's yeah. a it's it's amazing progress, and, and of course, you, you can for the most part work at home. Yes,
2: I do work at home. Since I moved to DQ, DQ is a small company that really most. of the people that work there work from home. And I, I thought, I, I find I to, if I want to go back, if I have to go back to an office, I would be miserable. <laughs> and uh, I was lucky enough when I got this job with this company that uh, actually the company at that time only few people were allowed to work from home. And the people from my department, from the accessibility department, because we were so scattered throughout the country, mm-hmm. we were allowed. To work from home, so I managed to get a really good job with a really nice, uh, really nice earnings. Still working from home, so that's, that's
0: that is excellent. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to open this up and see what other questions I didn't ask that people want to.
5: Anicio's first.
0: Mr. Correa.
5: hello, Paul. <laughs> How are you? And hello to your guests. Yeah, uh, I have two two questions, and, um, and obviously, I had a similar experience in background. I, I didn't grow up in a communist country, but I certainly grew up in a well, at that time, a fascist country. Wow. Um, mm. I guess here, yeah. so yeah. my question is, my first question is, because we grew up with. Really, very few on no those systems of access and of assistance, and we had to work for what we got. Uh, I remember when I first went to my high school, my local high school in my hometown in Portugal. <clears throat> my parents had to get a special permission from the Ministry of Education because uh, I was first blind person. I had no no braille books, so I spent the whole summer before year writing every single book. First two years with a Slayton stylus, and then my goodness, finally, I was able to get a book from here. And my mother would do, you know, read every single book. But mm-hmm. I- I'm saying that not to you know, think that I'm special or anything, but I think that something, uh, of course, I've been here now longer than I was in Portugal, and I've worked <laughs> a lot in the field and I've worked a lot with kids, blind kids, and I see that sometimes the more assistance you have and i have to be careful in saying this because i'm so not advocating for that <laughs> you know what i mean but it, it does present a, it does afford each person to get gain a certain level of uh dependency on the system rather than yeah. specificness so i'm curious about what they think about that yeah. interesting would you mind restating the question
0: so his, his question really is if if you get a lot of assistance from the system, it creates a a, a a sense of dependence, and it is it is really those people who don't get a lot of assistance and who have to do things on her on their own who are likely to be the most successful. Interesting.
4: Very. You
2: know, I and this is very general, of course. We can always talk in general terms. I believe in balance. Me too. Yeah. You cannot be the extreme that we had in cuba because if you have that very few people can succeed and that is not what we want we want the most and then if you have too much support to the extent that you don't know your own skills and you don't develop your own skills you don't become a self-advocate then you ruin the person yeah yeah you end up with the same result
0: very few people can succeed so we need to find a way to balance that mr nice you want to add anything
1: no, I totally agree. That's exactly what I think. Streams, <laughs> at the end of the day, they touch each other, you know, so. Uh,
0: uh, Adesio, uh, you had a second I, question.
5: I have, I have a second question. It's a little more delicate, more of a political question. Uh-huh. Well, considering what we are going through in the country right now, with, where everything is political, you know and the fact that whether or not you wear a mask or whether or not you have the right to get a gun or right you know a, a country where individual wants and needs supersede every the common good uh, how you feel coming from a country where the opposite was supposedly true mm-hmm
1: i think again it's the same case here
5: right you
1: know uh i think we human beings we have a lot to grow up still um and i don't think uh living like we used to live in cuba helps that doesn't do any better people who decide what is good or bad for you that doesn't help Mm -hmm. but at the same time i i think that nowadays in the name of liberty there's a sense of chaos i don't know
2: yeah i would say that you know a society is made made of individuals. No, of so if you don't empower the individual, you have no society. And this is exactly yeah. what happens in totalitarian countries. You don't right. have a society, you have a, a farm.
1: Mm-hmm. If you yeah.
2: have, have you ever read the, the book from from George Orwell? Yeah. And yeah, Yeah, or the, the farm of the the, animals. The animals, right. Yeah. Now, if those individuals do not care for, for each other, and there is no cultivation of empathy, if you, over, if you superimpose fear over compassion, and yeah. over, then you have where we are. I wouldn't say that we're ending up, I don't think really, this is it. I think we're just living a type, a, 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 a period but anyway you risk it if you get to the extreme of total egoism and you really don't care you end up you know what you end up with fascism you end up with communism you end up with a yep. totalitarian, totalitarian so, system yep. exactly yeah right. exactly yeah.
0: yeah
5: and you go yeah. to the other yeah
0: exactly. yep very yeah. good anicio thank you very much
5: thank you bye-bye
0: uh-huh mr rick yeah debbie grubb please miss deborah okay.
6: well I just, I wanted, I have a question, but I wanna, I wanna found it on something. I cannot count the times that I heard both of you, Roberto and Denise, talk about how lucky you were. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you were totally honest and looked realistically at your own positions in terms of lack of access and lack of opportunity. And, I I kind of think that this is building on Ignacio's question, but, you know, I never got the sense from anything that you all have said that you feel like victims. I mean, Denise, with the blindness, the accident, the accident in the subway, the whole thing. And yet you have looked at your you're not you're not stupid people vapid people who who don't look at your own reality so my question is what lessons i think that some people who are really could do great things they're too busy being Victims. And I don't see that in what you've said and how you've lived your life. And I would like to know here from both of you what is the secret to accepting your reality, looking into it with total honesty and candor, and yet? feeling blessed lucky fortunate i think that we all could learn from you i think this podcast should be sent all over this country so i'm right. going to shut up now and listen to you guys ah. and just congratulations i admire you both so
0: thanks. much thanks, thanks for so calling awesome. in miss deborah
1: you're Who
6: welcome thank, go first. thank you
2: <laughs> you know that's exactly what we're lucky.
1: exactly <laughs> <laughs> you
2: just gave it you just gave it to us no <laughs> You know, happiness is a mental state. I do believe so. I, I, I no, I, I, it's not that I believe so. I, I feel you so. Feel it. It's exactly. feeling. I can tell yeah. it by my own life. Exactly. Happiness is a state of mind. And you, no matter what the external conditions are, you are responsible for anything that happens to you. I mean, you, you may not change the outcomes of, I mean, you may not, may not be able to change. For example, I would not be able to change the Cuban government. But I can, I can decide how I will deal with it. Will I be able to ruin my life or I will work with what I have and try to make the best out of it? And really, you can apply that wherever you are. If you have little, if you have a lot, awesome, because you have plenty of things to work with. If you have very yeah. little, let's see how you can deal with it and what you can make out of it. If you learn how to be functional with little, then you can do awesome things when you have more
1: yeah what, Deborah, i i always told my friends uh by the time of the time of the accident and um, i mean first of all i don't think that's the secret um i think that we come from a place where there's a sort of um i don't know we people in in the caribbean area yeah. we, we we tend to think to think or live life like uh, happy people
0: you know yeah, despite
1: yeah. all the of the conditions we we're people who like to laugh and make jokes and be with friends and all this stuff
0: like a little rum maybe
1: yeah <laughs> but uh, I mean, apart from that <laughs> I think, honestly that observing uh, your cir- circumstances and and try not to make a drama out of it yeah hell yeah you know because yeah i don't know um I, I i always thought well it's so hard i was feeling in in a sort of pain that i cannot even explain you know when you have a train on you yeah it's, it's, i cannot describe it but after a while i mean like two weeks later when i was able to go and and think about what happened i was like you know what i could have ended up by being i don't know you know uh i can still walk i can still think i can still uh, sing i have a life to live yeah and there's a point when you touch the button and in that moment, you have a click. And I thought like, well, if I yep. touch the button, there's no other way to go than up. up.
0: Yep. Right.
1: You see, and every, every single uh living creatures has to deal with suffering no way
2: exactly no Right. for everybody it's not
1: particular i i know the one who owns the the privilege you know and so all of us we every day we have to face things and,
2: right yeah. yeah suffering is granted exactly you're free to move away from it
1: exactly that's
2: the freedom you have you and can, no one can yeah. take that away from you
1: you can always take the bright side of life
0: and and i I absolutely agree with that i think that's that's probably one of the reasons why the three of us get along so much because i've (laughs) always believed oh yeah that you make your own happiness you determine you there for for me there's really no such thing as a bad job for instance i mean ultimately you make of your job what you make of it and, and whether you're whether you're sweeping the streets or, or whether you're running a department, it, yeah. it, it doesn't matter whether you've got the worst boss in the world or the best boss in the world. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's still the best job because yeah. you're making of it everything you can because that's what it's about.
2: And if you don't like it, what are you doing there? Look for another one.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: It may take you years, but you'll make it. And yeah, that
1: doesn't mean, of course, that uh, sometimes I can do a drama of a very stupid thing. Or oh, very dramatic. Sure. actually. <laughs> so, you oh, know, yeah. It's in the learning of a of, uh, process, learning. You know, like, yeah. uh, a learning process. I mean, and uh, but honestly, I feel so 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 grateful. and yep. surrounded by excellent people, beautiful conditions in my life. I don't know if it's going to last, but so far so good,
0: you know? And I'm surrounded by you. (laughs) Uh, uh, And that's a good thing. So I'm going to ask you guys a a strange question. If you don't want to talk about it, that's that's cool too. Um, But I understand that you guys are Buddhists and um, I'd be interested to know what what made you take up that religion and what you perceive that you get out of it?
2: That is an awesome wow. question, actually, nice. and a difficult one.
4: Yeah, a bit. I think
2: uh, it was the result of a search together combined with, um, with sort of affinity with Buddhism that we discovered. Mm-hmm. Imagine we grew up in an atheist country where religion was forbidden. Um, So that uh, to some extent influences your perception. We don't have a strong Christian basis because of that i mean culturally yes because no, no matter what you do West that's the in culture really yeah western world yeah. but we don't have strong beliefs we don't have a what would you you would call faith because we didn't grow with it actually it was it was taken away from at at, at, at any rate because actually my mm-hmm. my grandmother for example was was christian and she had to practice in secret had to some to a great extent so we were we felt inclined to to eastern stuff from uh, the, the two of us actually from a very young age and we were it was always a matter of intellectual approach and, and reading and investigation and uh, to some extent not too many years ago we ended up meeting buddhist people and we have a good friend that is buddhist i had a professor at miami day college that was also a buddhist we had before read about buddhism and We suddenly started feeling closer and closer, and we actually decided to start practicing. And the more we practiced, the more we understood Buddhism, the more we felt like we were Buddhists, and we didn't know it.
1: I think somehow we were inclined to this, you know, maybe intellectually we were looking for some answers, maybe. To some questions, uh-huh. and uh, we we uh, as teenagers, we had a group with a great great friend of us studying, uh, let's say philosophy somehow,
4: uh, um,
1: and doing you know reading and trying to go deep deeper and deeper in that, and yeah, at some point, I had these. Uh, very very a beloved friend in in cuba that we were always talking about these topics and all the stuff and i went there and he told me hey i am practicing with this school. and we started sharing and as as soon as i get back to madrid i called robert and told him, hey you have to have a look at this wow. and so we did
4: mm-hmm.
1: and we started uh you know Uh, attending the the group Buddhism, I love it because it's a, I feel like a a method
2: yeah, it is more than a religion I think it is a method
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: mind training (coughs) philosophy of life
1: there's nothing that 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 you should take for granted you should investigate experience uh, experience it and it's a Building up process, and, and I think it's so 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 beneficial for for everybody, and I think we're so happy.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: about that, it's a long process. This is not gonna take two days, you know.
0: Right, right. Do, do you think that? Do you think that the notion of trying to be as good as you can be for the rest of your life with the hope that uh when when you reincarnate next you won't be too far down the animal kingdom is 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 a good thing
2: if that's what you have i think it's better than nothing yeah i mean uh, actually it's it's one of the, the uh, in buddhism this is actually depending on which Level of Buddhism or which school which of Buddhism school? you practice? Right, that's actually one of the motivators.
5: One of the outcomes. Yeah. you're
2: encouraged to to practice virtue and to practice meditation and follow the eighth yeah. path, so that right. you get away from bad rebirth. Right, but that's not really the goal. But for many people, that is a good motivator. Uh, in in the Mahayana tradition, which is the one that we are more involved, you uh-huh. really you really try to find the compassion within yourself. And Listen. to f- and wisdom within yourself and to do things from there. In other way, in other words, you really if you get to the point where you can do it without purpose, that's really where you really start practicing Buddhism. Mm-hmm. When you do good, not for for what you may or may not get, but just because that's natural thing to do. Mind. That's the nature of your mind. Exactly. Yeah. That is right.
0: Yeah. It's a. Um, it's 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 interesting because in all of the world's religion if they're practiced well there there's an element of that i think indeed (laughs) um yeah i mean you you know for all that for all that we 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 put islam down Mm -hmm. um the, the 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 fact is there is a there there is a huge expectation of 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 doing good and being charitable and being involved in this and the same thing the same thing is is true certainly with with some christian religions i'm not sure it's no question yeah
1: in buddhism what maybe makes a difference i'm not saying that buddhism is better than anything uh it's just my view of it um it's probably the fact that You're not trying to behave accordingly because you want to achieve uh, an outcome that benefits you, you know, just you. It's just uh, something that you have to develop yourself until you can behave and act, think, uh, talk and behave or you know your actions comes out of that wisdom compassion
2: right so mm-hmm. you're you beneficial know? to everybody
1: but there's there's right. no god judging you uh, there's nothing that tells you you have to you right. mm-hmm. so
0: yeah. it's it, yep it's just that it's it's the way that your mind evolves to a point mm-hmm. where 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 you naturally um, choose to do things that that make things better for others.
2: Like the Buddha exactly. said, you're not going to be punished for your anger. You're going to be punished by your anger. Exactly.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Very good point. Mm-hmm. So, Roberto, yes, technology sir. technology today for for blind people you're kind of at the forefront you're 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 working um to create accessibility in in websites you're work you're you're working with a a broad range of access technologies there are are questions out there Mm
4: -hmm.
0: about where we are as blind people now and there are there are those who say that um that, that we're actually getting closer and closer to parity with our sighted brethren. What do you think?
2: There are a couple of things that, that I can say about that. In, in one side, on one hand, I would say this is probably the best time to be blind. Yeah. Because of the level of opportunities. Yeah. But at the same time, we are actually, the, the risk right now is that we can have a gap which may be may become bigger than ever yeah. if, if things are not done right at this very moment. Because society is evolving in a way where and digital technology is, is everywhere, but it's not only in an external device that we grab. It's in our very lifestyle, from wearables, the things we wear, the way we, for example, order in a restaurant. You, you, you're used to talk to someone and order. You may go to a restaurant, you, f- you find a touch screen right there. Mm-hmm. That, that you have to go through and order through. So probably in the tenth century, you will get to uh, to um, like uh, one of those taverns in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere, and you can. Yeah. Have food. Right now, yep. you might go to a place and you have a touchscreen as a blind person, and you're forget it, even if yep. you have money. Mm-hmm. So I think there are awesome opportunities more than ever, but at the same time many challenges and many, many reasons. And every one of us, I think, has to have to take, have to play its part.
0: So what do you advise young blind people to do now in in terms of trying to keep ahead of the technological race?
2: Oh man, there are so many things. You know, I wish I had been a kid in this country and with everything that I see kids, having nowadays right rail devices access to literature access to to uh, devices that help you get around access to communication uh, with services that that almost give you uh, to uh, to a great extent parity yes but the, the only the only parity that we will have only comes from the fact that we may feel like we have it i mean it doesn't matter how many stuff we have if we don't Acknowledge. if we're not aware that there is nothing that makes me fundamentally different from my sighted peer, um, that, that is to me the basis. So to young people, I would say, come on, embrace it, enjoy all of that. Learn to use your technology. Do not wait for somebody else to do what you can do yourself. Learn it, be independent as much as you can, enjoy life, enjoy all of these resources realize that there is nothing that makes you different from being blind from just anybody else or from being deaf or from i mean it's it's, it's so much yeah. to do. so, much
0: so to old do. old people like me use email young people essentially say email has passed its its point of no return and it's really a waste of space oh no you, <laughs> some people so. some people are using facebook and some people are using twitter um but but most, really, I guess, or at least my my sense is that most of the teenagers and and young people are now using Instagram more than, and perhaps TikTok, more mm-hmm. than more than they're using any of any of the programs that I talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, does that does that make it difficult for blind people, given the visual nature of both those programs?
2: They have accessibility challenges, of course, and, and there are things that you may not be able to do today. You may able to, you may be able, be able, you may be able to do them tomorrow. Uh, I mean, if you really want to, it is easier than has ever been. To, to, yeah, there are challenges. I'm going to say that that there are not. Facebook is a pain to use. I haven't even have a, I don't even have an Instagram account myself. In the first place, because I honestly have to, I, I really don't care much about Instagram. Right. But uh, yes, if you don't become a customer of those platforms, if you don't start advocating, you know, write to Facebook and tell them, you know, I don't have access to, to my timeline or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. now Facebook is describing images. And that is because we have blind customers.
1: To me, the big, big challenge is that us people who are living in these times realize how this can empower empower us, and uh, because I feel like sometimes we just take it for granted and we don't think about that, and maybe we just sit and wait till things are done.
4: Yeah,
1: you know. Uh, instead of trying to push and uh, and take advantage of the whole bunch of tools we have available. Right, uh, right. You know, and it's like being in, like in anesthesia kind Anastasia. of thing. Okay. Right. You know, like, well, okay, let's see how, um, when these people come and well, change this and this and that. But,
2: But you know, Paul, to to young people, uh, yeah, social networking is awesome. You can have much more connections than you ever had. Yes, you can. If you're young, you know, learn the stuff that will make you productive.
1: Exactly, that's what I mean.
2: Yeah, Learn the stuff that will help you gain meaningful employment. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I get that. Okay, we've got Jose from Kansas City.
3: Yeah. Jose. Hey. Hello, hello, hello. Buenas noches. It's an honor to talk to both of you, all of you. Um,
1: Buenas noches. Buenas
3: noches. Buenas noches. Um, I came to the U.S. when I was three years old for an eye operation and was able to see till I was about 17 and then subsequently lost a sight in the left eye, which is, was a good eye and lost the right eye. At the same time, they fixed the left one. But... <laughs> Having said all this, I have always dreamt of going to Cuba with a delegation of blind people and low vision people to kind of visit and kind of see where they're at technology wise and what like mobility and things like that, which I assume is kind of uh, that's pretty much unheard of. And also, do you. Ever communicate with your peers in Cuba? Uh, now that you're here in in the U.S. and now they're using WhatsApp. So I have a sister there, and I talk to her pretty often on WhatsApp.
2: Absolutely. Oh um, yes, that actually yeah. become much easier than it used to be five years ago, for example. Thank God. We we'll have a bunch of friends
4: over there, and
1: family as well. You, you would be amazed of how people there is managing, you know, and and. You know since like maybe three years ago
2: yeah since they started oh. having mobile mobile connectivity
1: exactly which is not great but still works and it's amazing how people there is you know have that hunger of learning and oh we have, my. yeah there's yes. different whatsapp groups of technology with very very smart people there you know it's very very interesting
2: there's a hunger for learning for opportunities that i will say i always say i wish i had the means uh, that the political scenario were different so that we could really create something
1: yeah 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 that would be amazing very That'd very valuable awesome. yes uh, people there and people in cuba is uh, always trying to go on and uh, learn and find ways to
2: that's a beauty okay. about those places where you have so little excited that you really come to appreciate anything you are
0: the one of the things that's interesting to me, and it, we, we can talk about it for a minute, perhaps, is is Cuba is a is a part of the the Latin American area of the World Blind Union, mm-hmm. whereas all of the other countries in the Caribbean are part of the North American and Caribbean mm-hmm. um, component of the World Blind Union. Yeah. Do you think do you think it would have made been better for Cuba to be a part of the North American Car- Caribbean
2: group? I'm not sure about that Um, uh, because of culture. I mean, that's a tough question. I don't think I I really have enough information to ascertain everything. But culturally speaking, Mm -hmm. it would be... It would be a barrier at this moment for Cuba to become part of North American war North Right, North American it would. Cultural understanding that is It would
0: lacking. be very difficult, you're right. 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 And, and, and of course, Anse was tremendously helpful. Um, and, and probably Cuba would not have developed as well as it did or didn't without, without Anse.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's been for really sure. helpful. It has been a pillar, especially because, I mean, the relationship between Cuba and Spain have been with its up and downs, but between nonprofits, it has been somewhat easier... Throughout the years, I yes. have been able to really, and also loves investing in Cuba because it is a safe place. Because uh, being a totalitarian system has some advantages for that, that, that type of stuff. Uh-huh. So it does. They investing in there, but uh-huh. they at least can do the
1: paperwork. <laughs> and also because, well, that, that's my point of view. Also, because of the fact that people in Cuba, uh, is almost impossible finding someone in Cuba who has not studied. You
7: know, we're educated people. That is
0: true. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
7: I get that. Mr. Rick? Yes, phone number 4388, please. Yeah, this is Mitch Pomerantz. Well, good evening. And good evening, Roberto and Danais And when... uh, and and it's it, when when I first came across the Tuesday topics, the, I had two thoughts. One is I was reminded of our uh, of our mutual friend uh, Jesus Garcia. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I know you and Jesus were close friends, and Jesus and I hit it off. And the second thing I thought about was hearing stories from my grandparents um who uh visited Cuba in the 50s and how things changed and I've always had an interest in in Cuba I wrote a paper uh in graduate school on uh comparing and contrasting the uh the Cuban revolution with the Bay of Pigs and it, <laughs> And it ended up getting published in my professor's book. It was one of six papers that that uh, was in uh, was in a book that he published uh, in the early seventies uh, shortly after I graduated but um, I'm vice president of the North America Caribbean region actually of the Nor- of uh, World blind Union and and i've been to two um of their uh, international conferences we we didn't get to go to uh madrid this past summer and, Did and not? next year uh, yeah, uh, sure. and, uh, yeah. And we we were in madrid uh my wife donna and i were in madrid in uh 2012 and fell in love with the country and and with the people and with Onsei, say but I've never had the opportunity to meet uh someone from the uh Cuban uh National Blindness Organization I hope to get that opportunity but um, you know Paul you were talking about we've added several Caribbean countries uh the past couple of years thanks to the efforts of our president of the region Charles Mossup from Canada but it it really is my fervent hope to uh to get a chance to visit cuba um, several years ago there was a uh a road scholar opportunity to to visit cuba i learned uh during my investigation that there was i don't think it exists any longer a very small jewish community um In, in Cuba, I'm trying to remember, it might have been in Santiago, but. Uh, I I would have liked, as as someone who's Jewish, to uh, to visit there and to, to meet the people there, but didn't didn't have that chance. But I just called because uh, I'm fascinated by by the the country that you're from, and uh, and I hope someday uh, under better circumstances to visit it. And I hope that uh, that uh, when we get to Florida, we'll be there uh, later this year. Down in Key West, actually, my wife and I will be going actually next uh, September on a vacation. But I hope uh, at some point in in our travels to to meet the two of you.
4: Oh,
0: well, be great. great,
4: my pleasure,
0: indeed. As as usual, you and Donna are more than welcome to stay with me, and I will invite Roberto and Denise over. Uh, very ahead, very so, good. So
7: best
0: you know, put you it, you it you on your list and best best give true. our best to Donna. Um, Shall
7: do. She's listening in the other room.
0: Well, that's excellent. Um, and thank you a lot for calling in, uh, Roberto and Denise. Uh, Mitch is a former president of ACB oh. um, and um, worked um, for, for most of his life as um, As the compliance officer for the city of Los Angeles for
7: for the ADA, wow, what a job! I just told people I was a uh, I was a good good bureaucrat. (laughs) 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 Who's better
0: than that? Thank you so much, Mitch. Thanks for calling. You're very welcome. Take care.
1: Just let me know. I guess. Bye. Still, there's a Jewish community in Havana. Yes, there is. There's a center, yeah. which I don't remember the name now. I don't know, but I, I'm sure that there is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Roberto and Denise uh, and, and I have been talking about going to Cuba, and eventually we will, um, uh, because I, 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 think, I think that loads of us needs to go. So, Mitch, when we're going, we will let you know. <laughs> Mr. Rick. <sighs> Yes, Connie Bateman, please. Connie from California. Hello. Hello.
6: Well, thank you, Roberto and Denise. Um, I I was very inspired hearing about... how you came to the United States and move, for, move forward with your life. Um, mm-hmm. I was a music therapy major at mm-hmm. University of Pacific and with a classical guitar concentration, then a teacher of the visually impaired, and then I changed my career and um, recently retired from my job teaching English to adult immigrants. Mm-hmm. So I have two questions for you. Um, the first one is, what things did you do to help yourselves learn english when you came to the united states and then my second question is denise um do you still do music
1: so
2: So, yeah well we both did it i think very differently um i well when i was in the university perhaps um well like like any other student i had to deal with a lot of material that wasn't that wasn't in Spanish. I studied in Cuba, and I kind of started learning English at that time, and it was really by force because I needed to understand the stuff that I that I needed to, to study for, for my classes and so on. And it was about just kind of a guessing game, kind of a learning. So I learned in a very technical way because there were there was a, there was everything was technical, it was like about about programming, about technology, and so on. Oh yeah when i came to the country if there is if there was something i knew there are many things i didn't know but if there was something i knew is that i needed to learn english and i needed to learn quickly and i didn't know how i would do that but i, I, I kind of follow my instinct and i said okay there is miami Dade college i learned pretty soon there was that and they had an ESOL program so to the for lack of a better resource i went there <sighs> and i realized OK, f- to me, the most important thing was to be present in the place, to speak as much English as I could, no matter how wrong I spoke, mm-hmm. and to try to understand. Yes. I had that strong feeling, that strong need. I need to learn, and I need to learn by yesterday. Because uh-huh. if I don't learn, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to work. I'm not going to go to McDonald's mm-hmm. to serve food, because uh, that would be too difficult for me. So the, the type of job that, jobs that I can take, I need to learn. So that was that. I, I made really good friendship with a guy at the access department that used to print stuff in Braille. And what I would do, I had an, a note taker, which was a person who would go to the classroom with me to take notes. And that person would take notes. I would collect them. And over the weekend, I would ask that, that friend, please, embose these to me put it in braille so I can learn the spelling of the words because I'm learning mm-hmm. to speak and hopefully to listen here, but I don't know how things are written. So please impose this to me. And I started doing that, just learning that the notes that that girl was taking because I was in the class and I pretty much knew what was spoken there. It was easy for me to to make the connections and that's how I learned to read. And And then I started asking the guy, please bring articles to me. And I would find articles on the internet or things that I was interested in it needed to be something i was interested in because i realized that that helped me to to, to learn faster mm-hmm. and please print this and i will find a way to read it and mm-hmm. i get that i finished easel and i said i still don't know english at to the level i need to know and mm-hmm. what i did was to start a career i started uh an bachelor, a associate in arts in, in psychology I didn't want to study technology because I knew technology already. I wanted to learn something different. And I learned more English by studying my psychology and stuff and having to do presentations and having to write paperworks. That was a challenge. I needed to write paperworks and that was a level of language that I didn't have. So, I would write to the best of my ability, and then I would find me a native speaker, either a fellow (laughs) student or somebody with better knowledge, and I would ask, okay, please read this with me and learn me how you would write it. And I started copying their style, copying their ways. I remember I had a professor that started giving me Bs and Cs and low notes because of because of it. usually issues with punctuation because I use my punctuations and I as the way in the way I do it in Spanish, which is different from English to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I told the professor, no, please, remember, this is not my native language, and I'm struggling a lot with this. And I remember the guy told me, oh, that's right. You got to
3: do something about that. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: and he made me so angry, but at the same time, it was so enlightening.
2: <laughs> that was the body
3: professor, by the way. And,
4: that's good, that's good.
2: And I got a booklet on to how to do punctuation in English, and I learned. And mm-hmm. that's how I learned for the most part. Right. The Nice. How did
0: you learn?
1: I should say, first of all, that in Cuba, um, when you get to your sixth grade, uh, you start learning English, but in a very basic, basic way, of course. But I'm someone that loves languages. I'm very curious about that because to me it's like the code of thoughts, you know. So I like it and I was always in love with English and uh, how that that sound and German and all the stuff and um, when I finished my secondary education uh, our teacher at school who was a great English teacher uh, he knew that I was in love with English and and he told me, please give up music, you should study English. And I was like, no, 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 no way. And uh, he told me how to read grade two, for instance, in, in Braille.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And yeah, somehow because of my uh, my job, I was kind of exposed to talk to people, but to be honest, I think I'm still learning. I have a lot to learn yet. I've been living here for four years, so I have a long journey ahead still. I'm, you know, being exposed to a language, I think is the best way to learn, I guess.
7: I think you're right.
1: uh, Yeah, and about music, of course, I still, uh, in fact, as soon as I uh, get out of the hospital, like 10 days later, I started uh, giving concerts. Uh, I mean, singing, of course, not playing guitar, but still singing, composing, uh, and still uh, I'm, I'm on it. And and I'm teaching audio production as well, which is hmm. other, another passion. Yeah.
2: When I talk to my fellow Cubans, newcomers that want to learn English, I sometimes tell them. <laughs> You know, you can learn this in two ways. You can do an intellectual exercise and try to learn it that way. It will not take you very far. Uh, you may learn something.
1: Especially in Miami.
2: <laughs> especially in yeah. Miami. And the other way of learning it, if as a skill, is like learning how to swim or how to ride a bicycle. Forget about grammar, forget about rules, forget about the written and the intellectual stuff and the theory, and just try to speak. Yep. Try to speak, try to be understood, and try to understand. That's the only thing that matters. Later on, try to learn the stuff. And try grammar to and
1: overcome the uh feeling of being, you know, mistaking all the time because it's gonna happen no matter what.
4: Yeah, and
2: yep. it will always happen. Exactly. Yeah. there will be a time a point where you won't care anymore.
1: So yeah, <laughs> here, here I am doing my best.
0: I, I tell I tell people who when whenever whenever I make the mistake of speaking Spanish, that my Spanish is a lot worse than any of their English. (laughs) (laughs) Anisio, Anicio, you want to jump back in? Um,
5: I was going to ask something a while ago, and I don't know if it's been asked already, but now that they've been away from Cuba, but still in touch with friends and colleagues from there, do have, have you, you understand it? Is there a, a change there in terms of services, in terms of opportunities for blind people? Is it getting better?
2: Uh, it's probably worse. Really? Yeah, because remember when, I gr- when we grew up, uh, to some extent, there were, for example, to give you an example, there was the School for the Blind, which was really a great school, as because it had it was created during the uh, the era of the soviet union and they really had resources and they really put stuff into it they trained professors that were training the soviet union and they were they were good they knew braille very well they knew how to teach a blanket they knew how to do their stuff all of that is disappearing the school for the blind is almost dead very few people go there, now they are embracing the so-called integration, which is awesome when done properly, but it's not always done properly, especially when you don't have resources. And in general, the degradation of the living conditions in the country also translate in worse living conditions for, for people with disabilities and for blind people in specific. So services Although, although, yeah, that's there is, exactly what although, because Cuba is always a contradiction, uh, in, uh, in, in one hand, you see people having more mobile phones. Exactly, exactly. So you will find, for example, blind people who get their phones as like anybody else would get them, uh, however they can. They will learn from each other how to use TalkBack or whatever their phone has but they will probably don't know how to use josh in a computer or they wouldn't uh-huh. know how to how to i don't know they may not have access to a braille a, a brailer, a perkins brailer, uh-huh. but they will have a mobile phone we talked about it. Uh-huh. Interesting. And, and applications to make their life better you know, so, life
1: is something that never stops It's dynamic. So, exactly it's dynamic so cuba i mean uh i mean is not like living in the in this world we live here but still belongs somehow to that world so people now have more access to mobile phones and internet connection uh not always uh as good as possible but they still manage so in that respect i mean uh i i I would say that somehow people is more involved in technology and that makes your life easier sometimes. Yeah. In they terms know. of
2: numbers, and pretty quick. You would say, for example, if you look at the stats, <clears throat> the statistics, you'll see more blind people going to the university now than when we yes. were we'll there. Mm-hmm. Right. But in terms of quality, uh, not that we are great or anything, but in general, because of university because of the fact that universities are worse, and because of the fact that many of them get there just because now it is trendy kind of thing. You have yeah. to get the blind folks to the yeah. university.
0: Yeah, education is you know, really yeah. on the
5: ground. You know, it's interesting though because in some way uh, the what you're mentioning about blind people and services and uh, people not learning braille as much, perhaps you it's not very unlike what's happening here, right, Paul? I mean, the, or sure. even the, the disappearing of the schools blind, some people would say the same thing here except except
0: there's no excuse for it happening here so
5: but still at least that this
1: is what i think despite that the fact that uh because of the conditions in the country uh everything is kind of damaged falling
2: apart exactly yeah
1: still education if you compare with uh in the area kind of thing
0: yeah, other countries in the Caribbean kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Yep. I will tell you something not to show up or anything, but I was imp- impressed by that. And I have seen other folks from Cuba being impressed by that. I I came to the States and after I finished my, my English stuff, I said, okay, I'm going to have my, because I wanted to study psychology. I needed I needed to take that placement test. How do you call it? The CPT? CPT, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And I knew they would, you can get the test, you can get some preparation for the test, and you can get the test, you pay for it, and then you take it for like two more times or something like mm-hmm. that. And I thought, Okay, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna take it for the first time, see what it is, then I'm gonna get prepared and I will pass it the second time.
4: That's okay. How- yep.
2: <sighs> That's a technique that I have used. I know I, I, I got a kind of a 98 in that test. It was really, it, really high grades it, in the first exactly. class. Exactly. And not the fact that I passed, is that I had, I barely remember fractions. I barely remember how to do math because I mean, stuff that you study in, in, in
4: high school, kid.
2: or I mean, you've right. kind of forgotten. And I, I was thinking, if this is the CPT, I, have, I don't want to really think what's education like here. And I have spoke with other Cuban friends that have been more involved that have that have children and so on and say, Forget about that. It's awesome. yeah,
0: yeah. I it, you know I I did my high school education in Jamaica, and when 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 I moved to to this country, uh, it was uh, a long time later. I was I, I had been teaching high school for ten years by then. Um but when I moved to this country and, and 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 found the levels that were expected from college degrees and from and that were kids were coming out of high school with, I was just appalled. Mm-hmm. I you know, and, and it's interesting, I, I don't I don't know if you guys share this, but one of the things that, that, that I brought with me from the Caribbean um, was was a uh, absolute shock at how much was available to blind people in this country yes. and yes. and really anger at how many blind people were 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 abs- uh, abusing the system not taking advantage of the system and 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 essentially were were just throwing opportunities out the window that's gotcha because it was it. That is kind of it, it, it was it was hard for me for a couple of years you know i i i i, I really would have needed a buddhist teacher to help me because i was <laughs> 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 no, the I, I,
1: same people is doing the best they do right know right yeah go on you know but that's what i was trying to, uh, to say minutes ago uh regarding young people and and how to approach this technology and all this stuff Guys, life doesn't wait. Yeah. Nope. You know, everything is changed. So there's a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot of resources here. It's amazing. It
2: comes down to expectations. I know, yeah. you know I worked at the, at the Miami Lighthouse and I had to work with kids. <laughs> And I saw the differences between few of them and most of them. And, yeah. And you, when you start going deeper into that, it's, it goes down to education mm-hmm. and the expectations that, that it, the parents develop in them.
0: Yep, it absolutely does. Right,
2: yep, it's a it,
1: lack of yep. motivation, yeah. maybe yeah. Or appreciation, which is something very important.
0: Right, the system it does, is.
2: doesn't really help much. Mm-hmm. I think actually the system kind of encourages I think it does. I was talking to a friend of mine recently, a colleague, who was telling me, you know, as a blind kid, I grew up and I learned grade two. When I was in high school and I started learning how to use a typewriter, I had a lot of trouble because I didn't know how to spell things because I only knew Braille grade two. Right. And I was amazed. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're talking about a very smart guy, a very yes functional highly functional blind guy that told me no at, a, at an age of fourteen, thirteen, I didn't know how to spell because yep. the only thing I knew was great too.
0: yeah it it's uh, it is amazing.
7: Yes, phone number two nine nine four, please.
8: Hi, Paul. This is uh, Merrill, and hi, Rick. Um, first of all, welcome from, Mar- to, from Maryland. Y- yes, yes, <laughs> and welcome, um, Denise and Roberto. This is so exciting for me because I speak French and Spanish fluently, and plus I just joined the International Relations Committee of ACB in September. So,
4: awesome.
8: you guys, <laughs> you guys are amazing, and I wanted to ask you, and maybe you touched on. But I had a phone call earlier How did you find each other When you came here Because I know for a while, you were, you know, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: It was kidnapped, <laughs> I tell you. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, <laughs> what, what
2: was the question? I kind of missed it.
8: How did you guys find each other when when you came, you know, oh, separately? Oh, you know?
2: <laughs> but that is a very long story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? yeah. Well, that's well, a long. No, that's... Oh,
8: I'm sorry. No, that's no, fine. No, that's in so
2: brief. Funny. I, we 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 saw each other for the last time. Um, in 2008, when I left Cuba, for very mm-hmm. interesting and magical reasons, I was able to visit Spain in the very same year and spend the, you know, the, year, the New Year's Eve together. Ah. That was the, the last time we saw each other in four years. Um, I went back to Cuba, she remained in Spain. In 2010, I came to the States, and, and in 2012, we started talking a lot. I mean, we never stopped talking, really. Okay. By 2012, it was growing up on me, the, the wish, the desire, I want to go to Spain, I want to visit her. I'm, I was rejected many years ago, but maybe, maybe if I try hard enough. <laughs> wow. I can, I can, oh, wow. I can, I can get something, right? I, <laughs> I, I, I managed to raise some money and in the Christmas of 2012, I went to Spain. Right. And it's, oh. it's like I did something right.
4: <laughs>
8: hey, that's beautiful. Congratulations. Yeah. Felicitaciones.
1: Gracias. De nada. We spent uh, a period a couple of years. like going back and forth, Madrid, Miami, Miami, Madrid. And at some point, we should start. Oh, I can't it's time for us to get together. So we decided me coming here and uh i get get married and that was mr paul
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a well i'm glad you guys came here so there (laughs) and thank you for your call meryl sure so i want to go back a couple of minutes and talk about the fact that you say that conditions um, are worse in Cuba now than they than they were when you guys were growing up does 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 that mean there has been in your mind a kind of a continuous decline from the nineties all the way up to the present and 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 that we are we're continuing to to to, to see more of the responses of the withdrawal of the Soviet Union support.
2: The history of the Cuban Revolution, I think, is a history of continuous decline. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, nothing is is black or or white in in some areas because, as I said, Cuba is not apart from the world. There has been perhaps improvements. But in general, the, the, the economy, it doesn't stop going down. I mean, the, the norm from for some countries is to go up. The norm over there is to go down, and it actually never fails. If there is some, if there is a prediction you can make in Cuba that you will for sure never fail, this is gonna get worse. Um,
1: I mean, economically wise, of course, is really worse somehow. But since uh, Fidel died. It's not the fact that the country is becoming like a real democracy, but things are changing very
5: slowly and very
1: subtle, maybe subtle, but forced by conditions. Yes, it's not the fact that they want to give up what what has been built, but somehow it's changing, I think. Fidel was a big, big, big stone, uh, mm-hmm. very, a very important figure. It was you know? the
2: stone, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah.
1: Stone. <clears throat> so after that, mm, yeah, you can see some signs of uh, of changing.
2: Very timid.
1: Exactly, exactly.
2: Now, something, of course, that, that is having a huge impact, and we still have to see how it end up, is COVID. I mean, for a country that depends on import, everything is imported there. Nothing right. is produced. Uh, having the border closed for so long is, is really damaging, causing serious damage to people's lives.
0: And do you, th- uh, do you think we're getting accurate figures in terms of the number of COVID cases?
2: It's not so much about the figures. It's, it is about the fact that food cannot get in, money right. cannot get in people i mean one of the main sources over there of sources of uh, everything is immigration people go they bring money with them they bring stuff and and the, the little business that there is has always to do with with um smuggling things from the outside to the inside and things like that and that has all stopped during
0: COVID. yep so, so when they're when there was, uh, if, if you like, a, a lessening of the hostility between the United States and Cuba under the Obama administration, um, was was that hopeful for you guys?
1: I tell you something, I, I've experienced that because I just arrived in Cuba uh, by those days, I went mm-hmm. visit my mother. And I tell you, in many years, uh i mean people there was happy and hopeful Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and it was for a long time that i didn't see people that hopeful thinking forward thinking people were happy there you know like oh my god now is the time um yeah i could feel it
2: you know and also this can be controversial especially here in miami but i think obama by opening things the way he did it he completely shocked the system right because one of the themes, one of the things that that government and that system lives on is u.s cuban hostility enemy, enemy yeah so exactly. if you take that aware or if you challenge that, state, uh, uh, yes. you're challenging yes. the very very basis for that system to exist mm-hmm. and it was so evident that after that, the the, um, I mean, the, the the people are really high in, in the government, you will see on the media, they will start to talk and to say, this is, doesn't mean that things are getting better with the, US, the, the states because Obama did this and Obama disrespected us in this or that way. So they were trying to make sure to keep that sense of hostility alive, because that is no, a huge
1: needed for the threat needed, yeah. for
2: that system. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: But certainly, I saw people. And Rama before. did it
2: in a very smart way because he, he did, did it openly, publicly. He checked that the there was a well. There was a moment uh, when there, he was there in Cuba that he wanted to check the hands of Raúl Castro that Raúl kind of withdrew and. Huh? He really chucked them. He chucked them in their own land, in their own territory, and mm-hmm. didn't didn't expect that. They didn't know how to react.
0: <laughs> so. You were going to say something else, Mister Nice?
1: No, no, no. That that uh, that feeling that was so vivid that I saw people happy about that and uh that was a very hopeful uh moment for people in cuba yeah, regular uh, right problem. now of course think about the impact that covid uh is is bringing to american american people you know in terms of jobs losing jobs and all this yep. stuff imagine in a very very poor, poor country function. you know of course they are doing their best to keep people fed, somehow, but situation is really, really tough. Oh.
0: Interesting, um, and and frightening because I, I don't think I don't think we see nearly as much reporting about what's going on in Cuba with regard to COVID as you might expect.
1: Well, um, they really take care of it uh that that should be said in terms yes. of public health although nowadays is a complete disaster because they they are lacking sources no way
0: right and no materials no no medicines yeah. no but yep.
1: still, right. uh,
2: still there is a system and there is a sort a sense of discipline exactly that tends to function
1: right 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 so they've tried to keep numbers uh Down. low you know taking care yep. of yep Uh, People, uh, you know, of course, there's been lockdowns like two months, I think, or something. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been trying to, uh, I mean, I think the kind of people who died from COVID in Cuba, the number is less than a hundred. We're
2: not gonna have real numbers because first of all, the numbers are whatever the numbers they want to be.
1: No question. Yeah.
2: But but knowing people in there, being in close contact with family and friends in Cuba, you kind of have a sense of what's going on. Exactly. And it doesn't seem as bad has cities As in, in other countries exactly right
1: and i i really wish to be to continue to be like that because yeah. they're yeah. not I tell it, because
0: no, they're not equipped to deal with it so let's keep the numbers low
1: exactly and they are developing a, a vaccine which according to what they say is pretty successful so far yeah. let's see
0: Roberto, we're almost out of time. Is there an email address you would be prepared to give out that folks could write to you if they wanted to?
2: People can write me at info at Roberto robertoperez, like my name, all together, no dashes or anything,
0: that M as Mike, E as in Excellent. Roberto and Danais, thank you very much for being my guests on Tuesday Topics. I've enjoyed it.
1: Pleasure, sir. I think we did, too. Yes. It's been fine. <laughs> thank you for inviting us. And thank you to all those people listening and, and participating. Yes.
0: Yep. Thank you very much to everyone for tuning in. And uh, thanks to Rick and Larry for all of their support and effort. And good night, everyone.
4: All right.